The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're going to be talking this morning about rebounding from a setback. Rebounding from a setback. You know, we all face setbacks in life. Something that happens to every one of us. We have setback seasons. Maybe you find yourself today in a setback season. Maybe today you're, you're in a setback season in your marriage. Right now, maybe you're dealing with something that has happened in your marriage. Or maybe something is not happening in your marriage. Maybe the, the lines of communication have broken down and your marriage is not where it should be. And you, you'd probably say, Pastor Josh, I'm in a setback season in my marriage. Maybe you're dealing with a setback in your physical body. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness or a pain in your body or just something that you can't get over. Maybe you you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Maybe you're struggling with your weight or you're struggling with your self-image and you would say that you have a setback in your physical body. Maybe you're dealing with a setback in school. Maybe you're at odds with a teacher. Maybe you're at odds with a fellow student. Maybe you're struggling with a particular subject. Maybe this week you took a test and you bombed it. And mom and dad are going to find out eventually, and that's going to set you back a little bit. Maybe you're in a setback in your school. Maybe you're in a setback in a relationship. Maybe uh, you're, you're hurting and you're lonely right now. Maybe somebody that was once a part of your life is no longer a part of your life. Maybe they passed away, or maybe they, maybe they ditched you or abandoned you, or they went crazy. Cray, cray, right? And you're set back in your relationship. Maybe you're set back in your finances, Maybe you're not making enough money at your job, or maybe you're making enough money, but you're spending too much money, and you're in a little bit of debt. Uh, Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe you hate your job, and you would say that you're kind of set back in your finances, you're set back in your work. Maybe you're set back in your relationship with God. Maybe you would say today that you don't know that your relationship with God is the way it should be. You don't feel close to God. Maybe God feels like he's a million miles away. Maybe you thought God was going to do something and you thought it was going to work out a particular way, but it didn't work out the way you thought it was. And so you kind of feel this disconnect between you and God. Maybe you're struggling with a sin and it's keeping you from connecting with God. Wherever you are today, I don't know if I hit on the thing that you're set back in. Maybe I didn't, but I know this, that the God we serve is a God of the comeback. And I believe that God wants to create the comeback story of a lifetime in your life. A comeback story that doesn't just affect you, but affects the people around you. The people see what God's done in your life, and and it changes their life as well. Everybody say setback. Setback. We all face setbacks. And I want to help you to understand how to deal with these setbacks. One, I want you to understand the faith that you can have in the middle of the setback season that you may find yourself in. How you can trust God in the middle of that season. And two, I want to help you understand what you can do if you're in the middle of a setback that will help you rebound from the setback. Once more, say it with me, setback. setback. We all face setbacks. And if you're, if you're not dealing with a setback or if you've never dealt with a setback, congratulations to you, first of all. But let me just tell you, if you're not, you're going to. In fact, the Bible promises us that we're going to face some trouble, that we're going to face some setbacks. Jesus said in John 16, he said it like this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, you will have trouble. And something hit me the other day as I was reading this. This is a promise of God. (laughs) It's not from God, but it's a promise of God. That in this world, you're going to face some tough stuff. You're going to face trouble. You're going to face bad circumstances. Now, understand when God says this, 
in, in this verse, he's not saying it like saying, I'm going to cause you trouble. It's in this world you will have trouble. See, we face trouble and difficult stuff in this world because we live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a world that's dominated by sin and sinful people. We live in a world that has an enemy who comes against us and wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. So in this world, from time to time, you're going to face some trouble. That word trouble there is is the Greek word philipsis. It means a situation so difficult that it causes one to feel stressed, squeezed, pressured, or crushed. Maybe you would say today, Pastor Josh, that's how I feel. I am in a season right now where I feel stressed, squeezed, pressured, crushed. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says this. He says, take heart. See, that's bad news, right? Trouble's in this world. But, but, but if it's bad news, it's not done yet. Because see, the gospel is good news. So if it's not good news, God ain't done. And so when it says there's trouble, it's not done. Jesus isn't done. He says, but take heart. He says, I have overcome the world. That word overcome is a Greek word, nikos. It means victory. But it doesn't just mean one victory. It means continued victory. It means that Jesus has the victory in the past. He has the victory today. And he'll continue to have the victory in the future. And he wants you to have that same kind of victory. Here, here's the idea. Jesus is saying, I've overcome the world. I'm going to continue to overcome the world. I'm overcoming the world wherever you find yourself today. Jesus has the victory. And because Jesus has the victory, listen, you have the victory. It's kind of like this. Uh, this I think it was Tuesday this week, actually. Uh, my son, Gus, had a football game in Mustang, Oklahoma. He's 10 years old, and so we, we took him out to this football game. Now, the way it worked out was Sarah had to go to some parent-teacher conference stuff and so she was going to meet us at the game a little bit later. She wasn't going to miss the game, but she was going to miss the warm-up part of it, which is fine. And so I rode out to Mustang with my mom and my dad and, and our three kids. And so we get out there, and it's a 45-minute drive, and we're walking up towards the gate. And I get out my wallet, and I realize that I have no cash. But I've got good news. <laughs> the gospel for me was that my dad was with me. And my dad was born and raised in West Texas. And if you know anything about a West Texas man, they always have cash. My dad at any given time has anywhere between $1,000 and $500 cash in his wallet all the time. And hopefully I didn't just set him up for a pickpocket opportunity. But, but anyways, I, I realize I have no cash, which has been the story of my life with him pretty much uh, since high school. And I look at my dad and I said, hey, dad, I don't have any cash. And he looked at me like a disappointed father would. (laughs) And he said, I got cash. Now, when he made that statement, he didn't have to say, Josh, I've got, well, it's okay. I've got plenty of money. I'll take care of you. I'll get you in and I'll take, he didn't have to say that. He said, I have cash. And I understood something in that moment because he's my father and I have a relationship with him. If he has something, then I have something. If I have a need and he can meet my need, then my need's going to get met. And not only did he get me into the game, but he ended up buying all our concessions and buying the kids popcorn and all sorts of stuff. He took total care of us that night. And so here's the idea Jesus is trying to get across to us. He says, take heart. He says, be of good cheer is what that means. He says that you can, you can trust in this, that I've overcome the world. And if Jesus overcomes the world, listen, you overcome the world. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 John 5 verse 4. It says, everyone born of God, everyone who's made Jesus the Lord of their life, everyone who's accepted the gift of salvation, who's made God their father, (laughs) Jesus is their brother, we've stepped into that relationship. Everyone born of God, look at this, overcomes the world. 
So I don't know what kind of setback you may find yourself in today, but I know this. God is the God of the comeback. And so I got a couple thoughts for you this morning. I think that'll help you to have faith in the season you may find yourself in if you find yourself in a setback season. Everybody say setback. Setback. All right, here it is. Number one, what if your setback is God's setup for your comeback? What if the setback you find yourself in, that season, that thing that looks that you're staring at, that looks like it could be your downfall, it looks like it could be the end of you, it looks like you'll never recover from it, what if God can use that thing to set you up for an incredible comeback? I believe He can. And the reason I believe He can is because I read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, what you're going to discover is the Bible is a giant comeback story. And it's a big comeback story with a bunch of little comeback stories all through it. I mean, in the Bible, we have story after story of of these characters, these people that are facing massive opposition, massive setbacks. And God turns around those situations and sets people up through the opposition for these incredible stories and and puts them in amazing positions. I, I think of stories like the story of David and Goliath. You know, Goliath looked like a setback. But David saw Goliath with eyes of faith. And Goliath became a setup that elevated David to a place of influence and prominence. It looked like a setback, but it was a setup. I think of the story of, of Daniel in the lion's den. How I many you know a lion's den looks like a setback? Being thrown in a lion's den, it's not a good day typically for most people. But, but God was able to work through that and set Daniel up to a new position of influence and actually change the entire culture of the people that he surrounded himself with. It looked like a setback, but it was a setup. I think of the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In fact, my son Gus is Joseph Augustus. And I named him Joseph after the story of Joseph because I love this story. Genesis 37 through 41. I want to encourage you to read it this week. Take some time. Read it. Read some of the commentaries. There's so much in this story. In fact, this, this story is probably the, the greatest example of the story of Jesus in the Old Testament. Everything points to Jesus. But if you don't know the story, let me kind of give you a short version of it. At 17 years old, God gives Joseph a dream. It's a God-given dream of him stepping into this position of authority and leadership and doing something great. But Joseph, like most 17-year-olds, doesn't exactly know how to handle this. And because Joseph is already his father's favorite and he shares this dream with the wrong people, his brothers, he ends up getting sold into slavery. How many know slavery is a setback? But, but Joseph does something in that season. He doesn't allow that setback to, to just ruin him. He, in fact, he, he continues to have faith in God. He doesn't turn away from God. He doesn't abandon his dream. And he stays faithful in every situation he's in, even if it's not ideal at the time. He's faithful wherever he is. And because of that, God promotes him. And he's in this house of this guy named Potiphar. He's a slave in his house. And he ends up being the overseer of Potiphar's entire house. But, but then another setback comes. Potiphar's wife uh, likes Joseph, like really likes him. And she wants him to, you know, you know, you know. There's little kids in here, so you know. And, uh, but he doesn't want to, you know. So, so it ends up that she, she ends up accusing him of, of, of rape. And he gets thrown into prison. How I many know prison can look like a setback? But again, Joseph follows the formula. He stays faithful to God. He holds on to the dream God placed in his heart. And he's faithful in the place that he finds himself in. And once again, he finds promotion. And he ends up being the overseer of the prison. 
And through a series of events, he ends up finding himself in this position where he's standing in front of Pharaoh, who's the most powerful man in the most powerful kingdom in the world at this time, interpreting a dream. And because he interprets it, being led by God, he finds himself promoted to the second most powerful man in all of the world. In fact, it says this in, uh, in Genesis 41, verse 44. This is Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at the time, saying this, I am Pharaoh, but no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in the most powerful kingdom on the planet. It all looked like a setback, but God used it as a setup to help Joseph to step into the dream, to help him to step into the position that God had him for. And and my question to you is, what if that's what God's doing in your life? What if that setback that you find yourself in this morning, what if God wants to work in that setback to set you up for the comeback? I believe he can because I believe that's the God that we serve. That's the kind of thing he wants to do. But here's the thing you need to understand. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because you want it to. It happens because you, you, like Joseph, line yourself up. You stay connected to God. You hold on to the dreams God's placed in your heart. And you're faithful wherever you find yourself. And when you do that, you position yourself so that God can take your setback and set you up through it for your comeback. Here's number two. What if your setback is God's setup to produce new strength in you? What if that setback that you find yourself in right now, that situation that you find yourself in, what if God wants to work in that situation with you and through you to build strength into you, to build wisdom into you, so that he can take you to a new place of strength? He can take you to a new place of influence. You know, I I think if we're all being really honest this morning, when we have a setback season, we'd kind of prefer to just not have it. Like anybody in here is like, man, awesome, bring on the setbacks. <laughs> no, like we don't want that. We don't want the setback. And when the setbacks come, we want God to remove them. And listen, sometimes he does. Sometimes God moves the mountain. We sing songs about it. We love that when that happens. But listen, sometimes he doesn't. And, and when he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you doesn't mean that he's not for you. It's just that sometimes God wants to use the mountain to, and have you climb the mountain because there's something that happens when you climb the mountain. There's strength that's produced in you. There's wisdom that you gain in the, in the climb. There, there's things that help you so that when you get to the top of that mountain, you can stand on that mountain in the new position, the elevated position God has for you with everything you need to sustain that position. That's what God wants to do. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. He, he's in the house of Potiphar and he's in the prison and he becomes overseer and he learns things in those places that helped him when he was the head over all of Egypt and over what the Pharaoh controlled. When he stepped into that position, he had everything he needed to maintain and carry that position well. And what if that's what God is doing in your life right now? He's building some stuff in you. The setbacks are setups to produce strength in you to take you to a whole nother level. Sometimes God moves mountains, but sometimes God asks you to climb the mountain. But know this, if God's asking you to climb the mountain church, he ain't asking you to climb it alone. He's going to be with you in the climb. God is committed to the climb. He's committed to being with you in the middle of whatever it is that that you're facing. Just because you're facing a mountain doesn't mean that God's mad at you. Doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. Doesn't mean that God is, is, is turning his back on you. No, 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 no. It just means that God wants to build something in you. And if you'll trust him through it, he can do just that. In the story of Joseph, 
one of the things I, I love about the story is we see that in some of the darkest times of his story, God reminds us in Scripture that he's with him. Right after he's sold into slavery in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Right after this moment when it feels like everything's falling apart, he's lost his family, his brothers have betrayed him, it says the Lord was with Joseph. God was right there in the middle of that with him. When he's accused of a crime that he didn't commit and he's thrown into prison, in Genesis 39, verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. Right in the middle of his mess, the Bible goes out of its way to say that God was right there in the middle of it with him. And I want you to know, I, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what your setback looks like today. I don't know what kind of mountain may be in front of you today. It may be your fault. You may be dealing with something that you did. You, you know that. Or maybe you're dealing with something and you're like, Joseph, you're completely innocent. But whatever the case is, I want you to know God is committed to the climb. God is committed to the comeback. And God will be with you. He won't leave you. In fact, Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says this. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never. Everybody say never. never. He will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to face some setbacks. You're going to face some tough stuff. You're going to face some mountains that you've got to climb sometime. But God says that you can be strong and courageous. Why? Because he's with you. He's with you. And that's why we're strong and courageous. Think about this too. If you find yourself in that place where you're, you're climbing a mountain and you're kind of going, man, I feel like God's kind of just left me alone or maybe God's upset with me. Understand this. God tells us to be strong and courageous. See, sometimes we want God to just remove everything, just move it. And if he does it, then we think something's wrong. But why would God ask us to be strong and courageous if he was going to move everything? Like there'd be no need to be strong and courageous if, if as we walk along with the Lord, he's just blowing everything away from us, right? Not necessary. The fact that he tells us to be strong and courageous tells us that we're going to face some stuff. But we're strong and courageous in him. And what happens is God develops things in us that build strength for us so we can stand in these elevated places that he has for us. So, what do we do? How do we rebound from the setbacks of life? Ho- hopefully, you've got some faith right now that whatever you're facing, God can, can set you up through it. But how do we position ourselves for the rebound? Well, the NBA season began this, this week, and apparently there was a little bit of a fight last night. <laughs> Heard about that at the Lakers game. Uh, and if you're Thunder, any Thunder fans in here this morning, we, we may not all agree on OU, OSU, but most of us can agree on the Thunder, even though they're doing terrible right now. We'll be okay, I think. But if you know anything about basketball, you know that rebounding is an important part of basketball. Typically, the team that wins the rebounding battle wins the game. Why is that? Because in basketball, you miss a lot of shots. A lot of shots are missed. In fact, in the highest level of basketball in the NBA, uh, typically first possession shots that go up in the NBA, less than 50% go in. The NBA averages 43% of first shots taken are made in the NBA. Guys, it gets paid millions of dollars and they can't even hit 50% from the field. You go to college, it drops down to 30%. These kids are getting full-ride scholarships, and they can't hit 30% of the shots that are going. In high school, it's even worse. And, and the point is this. There's a lot of shots that are missed. And so if you're going to win, if you're going to walk in victory in basketball, you're going to have to learn how to rebound. Listen, the same is true in our life. If you're going to walk in the victory that God has for you, you're going to have to learn how to rebound. Because why? Because we miss a lot of shots. We mess up a lot. We, the Bible says we fall short of the glory of God. We make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't say, amen, men? 
We do things we shouldn't do. People do these kind of things. People in our life, they miss shots. They, they miss opportunities with us. They blow it. They go crazy. They do stuff that, that we can't understand. The enemy takes shots at us. And so if we're going to walk in victory, we've got to learn how to rebound. So I, I've got three more practical things that you can do today. I want to compare rebounding in basketball, the fundamentals of rebounding in basketball, to the fundamentals of rebounding in life through Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. Here's number one. In basketball, if you want to rebound, you need to keep your knees bent. Everybody say, keep your knees bent. Keep your knees bent. Okay, so what happens is somebody takes a shot in basketball and you have to get yourself in a position to get elevated so you can go get the ball. And you can't just stand there and go... Like, you gotta, you got to get low so you can get up. you gotta, you got to lower yourself so that you can spring up and reach new heights so you can grab a hold of that rebound. Listen, this is a picture of prayer in our life. If we're going to reach up and grab the rebound God has for us, we're going to have to get on our knees in prayer. We're going to have to get low so that we can spring up in God, spring up in Jesus, and grab a hold of the things that God has for us. Listen, church, prayer is so important. Sometimes we think so little of prayer. We look at prayer as, as a last resort when, when really prayer should be our first response. We, we don't see the importance of prayer. I, I've been guilty of this before. I've been guilty of seeing prayer kind of like you're on the playground, you know, and you're picking teams in elementary school, and you, you have the last pick. You're the captain, and you're picking, and then there's one kid left, Jimmy, and Jimmy's not very good at sports. And, and you don't know Jimmy very well. And so I was like, okay, oh, I guess we'll take Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy. I don't, Jimmy, just, can you just stay out of the way like, while we're trying to, you can be center, Jimmy. You'd be all time center and just try not to get in the, like, sometimes we treat prayer like that. We've tried, God, I've tried everything else. Okay, I guess I'll try prayer, you know, prayer. Oh, Lord, what, do your best here. It's like, you know, eating a triple cheeseburger and you pray over it, Lord, do what you can, right? Anybody ever go, I pray more often than I should, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment. Never mind, God, just do what you can with this. I know I'm tempting you right now and it's wrong, but that's how we feel sometimes. We, we have no faith in our prayer, so we just kind of, it's a last resort. But listen, if you, if you read the scriptures, you're going to see that prayer is a big deal. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. When we pray, coincidences happen. When we pray, doors of opportunity open. Listen, when we pray, doors of opportunity close. And sometimes you need that. One of the prayers I pray on a regular basis is, God, if this isn't the right door, slam it in my face. Because I don't want to go through the wrong door. When we pray, it's powerful. Prayer connects us with God. If you're not a person of prayer, I promise you, you just don't understand how it connects you to God and connects you to the promises of God. And so here's what I'm getting at. We got to bow ourselves down in this position of prayer. When you, when you go down in prayer, God raises you up to a new place. I'm not specifically talking about literally bowing down in prayer. If God's telling you to do that, that's great. But I'm talking about the attitude, the heart attitude of prayer. See, here's what happens when you go to God in prayer. You, you lower yourself to a place so God can lift you up. And you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I don't have the wisdom it takes for this circumstance. I don't have the, the ability in myself to do this. But I, I'm lowering myself to say I need you and I'm asking you and inviting you into my life and when you do that God is able to spring you up to new levels 
the Bible is very clear. Psalms 146 verse 8 says, The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. Job 5 verse 11, He sets on high those who are lowly. Luke 152, He has exalted those who are humble. James 4 verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. In basketball, if you're going to go up and grab the rebound, you've got to bend your knees. In life, if you're going to grab a hold of the rebound that God has for you, you've got to get on your knees in prayer. You've got to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep going to the Lord, keep talking to God in, your, in whatever your circumstances are, and let Him set you up for the comeback. Let Him spring you up for the rebound. Here's number two. In basketball, if you want to rebound, you need to keep your hands in the air. You've got to get your hands in the air. So, so that now after you're, you're springing up, you can actually reach up and at the highest point, grab a hold of what you're trying to get a hold of. This is a picture of praise and worship. Praise and worship is, is a chance for us to reach up and touch God at the highest point so that we can receive and grab a hold of what God has for us. We touch him with our love and he cannot help but touch us back. You can't outgive God. You give him your love and he gives you whatever it is that you need. So we reach up to God and we touch him with our worship and he begins to minister to us. But listen, listen, this takes faith. Because I'm not asking you to do this after everything's worked out. I'm asking you to do this in the middle of things not being worked out. And, and this is how God kind of put it to me this week. If my worship precedes my breakthrough, my worship will produce my breakthrough. If my worship comes before the breakthrough takes place, then my worship's going to play a huge part in the breakthrough taking place. See, it's like in basketball. I don't, I don't wait to lift up my hands until I have the ball in my hands. Like if I'm out there and you know, the shot goes up and I'm like, I look like a fish. Like I got to get my hands up. If I'm going to grab a hold of it, I've got to get my hands up. When we worship God, we're, we're putting ourselves in a position where we can grab a hold in faith of what God has for us. And I want you to know, New Song, I felt like God put this on my heart this week. For some of you, you need to hear this. You're in a setback season. I want you to know, if you'll give God your song, He'll give you His strength. If you'll be willing to worship God in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing right now, God will minister to you. You'll position yourself to grab a hold of the things that He wants you to to grab a hold of. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the financial climate is predicting. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are we trusting God? Are we willing to walk with Him? Or are we just going to keep our hands down here and just talk about what we're dealing with? Well, I, I'm just having a really tough time right now. <laughs> I just I feel like I can't really, you know, everybody's against me. Well, let me write a Facebook post about how bad things are right now. <laughs> Just so you know, none of that's helping. That's right. You know that, right? Like you maybe get a couple people like, it's going to be okay, dude. Uh, fist bump. Praying for you emoji. You, God needs your faith, people. And this is not faith. Telling it like it is ain't faith. Tell it like it is as a child of God is what you need to do. Dang. Okay. <laughs> Keep your knees bent. Keep your hands in the air. Here's number three. Oh, it's about to get real good. You guys ready? This is the one where like I'm in my office and I get this and I'm like, oh man, I'm ready to kick somebody, the devil in the face. Not just anybody. Anybody else have those kind of moments where you're just ready to, yeah. Okay. So here's number three. 
In basketball, if you want to grab the rebound, you have to box out the opposition. You have to box out the opposition. You learn this as a little kid. In fact, I was talking to somebody in between services. They they reminded me of something. That when you're boxing out, the coach will tell you, that's your territory. And you're you're laying claim to some territory. And what you do is, is you make yourself big... You kind of get your arms out, you get your, and you, you take your, your booty, your, your butt, your butt, and you put it on the opposition so that you can block them out from getting what's yours, what you want to get a hold of. Okay, listen to me, church. The devil is going to take some shots at you. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 6 that these are called fiery darts of the devil, that he's going to fire at you, and they're thoughts that he's, he's throwing at you, these fiery darts he's shooting at you, and they're designed to discourage you, to distract you, to destroy you, to draw you away from God, to destroy the promises that God has for you. He's going to keep firing these into your mind. He wants to fill your mind up with stuff, and so you've got to learn to box him out, get him out of your mind. James 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist means to stand in opposition or to withstand. To resist the devil means we take the word of God and we counteract the thoughts and the desires and the feelings that he's trying to put in us. And what we do is we lay claim to our territory. We make ourselves big in Jesus Christ and his word and we put the butt of the word of God on the devil. Not B-U-T-T. B-U-T, right? So, so the devil's going to come to you and he's going to tell you, you can't do it. Satan, I know that you're saying I can't do it, but, you guys follow me? But, the but of the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Satan, I know that you're telling me that this cancer is going to kill me, but the word of God says with long life will he satisfy me. Satan, I know that you're telling me that, that I'm never going to be able to pay all these bills. But the word of God says that he will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Satan, I know that you're trying to tempt me with impurity. But God's word says that he blesses those who are pure in heart. That the pure in heart see God. And I want to see God at work in my life. I want to see God at work in my marriage. So I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to put the butt of the word of God on you. Satan, I know that you're telling me I've messed up too many times. But. But. Everybody say but. Some of you need to get the butt of the word of God out. But God's word says that he has plans for me. He has faith and a hope and a future for me. And so I'm not going to dwell on my past. I'm going to focus on my future in Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose to lay claim to my territory. I'm going to make myself big in the word of God. And I'm going to put the butt of the word of God on you and box you out of my mind so that you can't steal the promises of God that are rightfully mine. Can I get an amen, church? Come on, church. I'm not talking, I'm talking about Jesus here, what he wants to do in your life. And I don't know what you're up against today. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what kind of setback you may be up against today, but I can tell you this. We serve a God who wants to create a comeback in your life. And if you'll choose to, to, to trust in him, he can do it. Because the greatest comeback story of all time is the story of Jesus. See, we, we look at that story today and we don't see the what God was doing. I mean, can you, there's no greater story of a set back actually being a setup. Like Jesus totally pulled the rug out from under Satan with that one. But, but imagine that day, if you don't know the full story, imagine what it looked like as Jesus is, is beaten and chunks of his beard are ripped out. That looked like a setback, but it was a setup. As he's hung on a cross and 
He's hanging there naked with a crown of, or with a sign above his head that says King of the Jews. That looks like a setback. But it was a setup. As nails are driven through his hands and his feet and he's hanging there bleeding out. That looks like a setback. But it was a setup. Dying on the cross looked like a setback. But it was a setup. Being buried in a tomb looked like a setback. But it was a setup. Three days dead looks like a setback. But it was all a big setup. And it set us up for the greatest comeback of any life. See, through the cross, Jesus defeated the greatest setback of all time. Sin and death. And because he defeated it, he set us up so through him we can walk in the victory and overcome sin and death and have freedom from anything the devil tries to throw at us. And no matter what you're facing, I know you can come back because Jesus is the God of the comeback. And he wants to be with you. And if you have him, you have everything you need to come back. If you're connected to him, you got what you need. If you'll choose to trust him, you'll choose to do things his way. He can take your setback and turn it into a setup for a comeback. If you'll choose to trust him, he can take your setback and turn it into a setup that builds new strength in you that elevates you to a whole nother level. If you'll choose to be a person who in the middle of your setback gets on your knees and prays and allows God to lift you up. If you'll choose to be a person who reaches up to touch God and touch Jesus at the highest level with your love so he can minister to you. If you'll choose to be a person who gets in the word and lays claim to the territory God has for you and makes yourself big in the world and puts the butt of the word against the enemy so you can box him out from your thoughts, you can make a comeback today. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? I hope today that you are encouraged, church. God sent me here with this message today to encourage you. That no matter what you're facing, it's a statement I say all the time here at New Song Church. I want you to believe it. Your best days are your next days. The best days of your life. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how bad you've messed up. If you knew my story, you know that I messed up pretty bad. I've done some dumb, dumb stuff. If God can work with me, he can work with anybody. He can work with you. He's got a comeback story for you. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for this group of people that's here today. I pray, Lord, that you minister faith into their hearts right now. I pray, Lord, that they would see beyond their circumstances. They would have trust in you and faith in you that you can build a comeback story in their life that not only ministers freedom and healing and puts them in the place you have for them, but that points people to Jesus and the work that he can do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed? If you're here this morning, and maybe you would say, Josh, I've never received the gift of salvation. I've never received of the setup that Jesus has made available to me. And I, I find myself a little set back. I know that I'm set back by, by sin, set back by, by death. I don't, I don't know that I'm right with God like I should be, and I want to know that I am. Well, I'd love to pray with you today. I'd love to, to pray with you so that you can start this journey with Jesus Christ that he's called you to. So if that's you today, if you would say today that, that God feels like he's a little distant don't know if you're right with God, you don't know where you stand with God, and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray with me. In fact, I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe 
you died for me. I believe you rose for me. And right now, I choose to make you the Lord of my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's give him a hand. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, I am, let me just say, I'm so proud of you. And I want you to know that the Bible says that in heaven, the angels are rejoicing right now. They're rejoicing because you're going to be there. It's exciting. And we're so proud of you. And we'd, we'd love to, to give you something today. Like, like I said, this is a journey. The salvation stuff is a journey that we walk in all the days of our life. And you're just beginning this journey. And we'd love to help you by putting some things in your hands to help you to walk out this journey. We've got a book that we'd love to give to you that's going to help you understand the next really important steps that you need to take in strengthening yourself in Jesus Christ and strengthening yourself in the walk of God that that we have for you. So I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And they're going to be down here to pray with you. If you're dealing with something in your life right now, maybe you're facing something, maybe you've got a a setback right now that you need some prayer for. Uh, Maybe you're dealing with something in your physical body. Maybe you're dealing with something mentally that's just oppressing you. You're dealing with fear. You're struggling in some area of your life. Maybe you're financially, you're, you're struggling right now. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to join our faith with yours and whatever it is that you're dealing with. And if you prayed that prayer just a moment ago to make Jesus the Lord of your life, uh, we'd like to, these are the guys that want to get you the stuff that they have. And we'd like to just connect with you and just make a confession for, for you. It's an opportunity for you to come down and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer for the first time. Jesus says this. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. This is an important step to let somebody know that I prayed that prayer. And they'll, they'll get you that book and get you taken care of. So here in just a moment, we're going to go back into a song. And this is a chance for us as a church to respond to this message, to respond. And, and this is a chance for us as a church to reach up. Maybe for some of you, this is your chance to reach up and start to grab that rebound, to praise God right in the middle of whatever it is that you're dealing with. If that's you, we want to encourage you. Let's just take a moment and let's just worship God. But if you need prayer, this is your chance to come down. So would you stand with me, church? Let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in here today that has a need of prayer, that you would draw them to the altars this morning. I pray for faith for those who who made Jesus the Lord of their life to be willing to step out and receive all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.